Hey, Maggie, how is Kendra the basil plant? I'm curious about it, and so was Dawson, who asked about Stop. it on the, on the website. You guys know how it is because you I don't saw know the story. when you were here. Well, there's no story. I just it has. I've been deemed an unfit plant mother. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. No, I don't remember that. I you don't remember? We were all sitting in my living room, and my windows were up, so you could see outside. And I just pointed and I said, "Look at my basil plant." And there's just a very dead basil <laughs> plant outside. But get this. Yes. I still like water it and like put it in the sun. I don't know if it's like guilt or me just like in denial, but I still take care of it. It's just so dead. <laughs> Maybe don't get <laughs> a puppy just yet. I know. I but I've been on this website for fostering dogs in LA and mm-hmm. I keep looking at like special needs dogs and it's I want one so bad, but I don't want the responsibility of being the sole person caring for it. Yeah, there, there's going to be a time in your life where that makes a lot more sense. But it's good that you have a huge heart for animals. And you can spend a lot of time with animals. You can help other people and their animals you know, in life. And so you don't have to necessarily have, have a dog or a cat to be of service to animals. Yeah, but I want one. <laughs> I know. Our dogs are having a tough week, especially Spencer. I know. He, I was showing all my friends pictures of him in his yeah, cone. In his cone of shame. Yeah. Yeah, he got one of those things because he, you know, so the dogs can't lick themselves. And it's really embarrassing. You could tell he just like, look, he puts it on and he's like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> but um, he's getting better. He's halfway through or even more than halfway through his antibiotics. And, um, and so Good. right now he's got, he's coned free. Yay. And he knows the rules. He like knows if he, if he starts scratching himself or whatever, like it goes back on. <laughs> so we watch him pretty close. Man. Where is he right now? Underneath mom's desk. So we're in the studio. Simon's in the middle of the floor. Nice. And both dogs are going to go with us to the mountains. Hey, Simon, you want to go to the mountains? No. Why would you say that? He's sleeping. He didn't even hear me. Yeah, man. Right after this podcast, in fact, you want to get it started? Let's do it. Roll the intro music. Mags and dads, wholesome chaos. Mags and dads, wholesome chaos. What do you want to talk about first? Something on your list. Fraternities. Yes, fraternities was a question that we got from a viewer, actually from my TikTok channel, who asked me, hey, have you ever been in a frat? And so I mentioned that to you because I have not. I have not been in a frat. Yeah. Well, I've been in a frat house. In fact, yeah. um, when I was a freshman in college, that was a, there were, frat parties were a big thing. Like they were huge in Athens, Georgia. Um, you know, B, the B-52s, REM, Widespread Panic were all big bands out of Athens. And they would, at the time, have these huge parties in the big lawns at the frat parties. Eventually, after my freshman year, something happened and there was this huge, huge incident and that went away. But I remember seeing Widespread, widespread Panic my freshman year and I had this, the ability to eat fire. And so I would eat fart, eat, excuse me, I'd eat fire. <laughs> I wouldn't eat farts. I'd eat fire at frat parties. <laughs> and it was a great way to get to know people. But <laughs> have you ever been in a frat, Maggie? I just snorted. I have. I have. Um, 
I've been a, a sorority. Ma- well, here's the thing. Technically, my sorority was a fraternity. What? Um, like legally, my sorority is a fraternity. I think a it's fraternity. because when. I think you said paternity. Yeah, frat. That's a totally different thing. No, no, I didn't. I said fraternity. <laughs> okay. Um, but I think what happened was when it was founded a long time ago, it was like the girls' brothers who s- filed everything. Huh. And so it's like legally a fraternity, but it's like all girls and it's very sorority-esque. Um, yeah, my my Greek life experience was interesting. Um I I also went to college during the pandemic, and so, like, chapter was always online, and, like, it, it was Initiation, just Initiation, orientation, all that, yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't, I to be fair, I was not super committed to, like, I'm going to go, like, commit myself to this group of people and, like, have a great time. Like, my college experience was really, like... Mainly just, like, me and my roommate and, like, two other friends we had. Yeah. And, like, we were so content in that. Um, so, yeah, I didn't I didn't have the wildest sorority frat experience. I do remember... But it was a good group of friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> Long pause. <laughs> Here's the interesting thing. All my, like, high school friends and people that I would meet... Um, in college, like when I would tell them I was in a sorority, they'd be like, wait, really? Like, you don't seem like you'd be in a sorority. Like, that doesn't seem like a good fit for you. And I was like, why did no one tell me this before I went through Rush and before I pledged and before I paid my dues? I thought about it too. Why why did you say anything that, hey, maybe you're not a (laughs) sorority girl? Well, you got to let your kids figure some things out for themselves. Plus, I thought it could help. I thought it could be helpful and give you like a community of people. Um, I mean, college ended up a lot different than anybody expected, but yeah, that's the thing. It can be, um, can be crazy and can be stressful and it's good to have people around you regardless of where you find, find them. Um, and speaking of stress, you know, that's an issue that's so huge for everyone in the world these days. I was writing about it this morning and it's on my mind. It's on everyone's mind. Uh, and I've got a great solution for you because this podcast is actually sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always recognize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, under eating and overeating. I have probably been sleeping too little. And what happens with me when I get in stressful situations thinking about you and Eddie and his move and my career and speeches that are coming up and things I want to do and things I need to do and whatever. It's like I get these like thought viruses in my brain while I'm sleeping. You know what I'm talking about? Where it just yeah. kind of expands and you, suddenly you can't, you can't turn your brain off and, um, and it's stressful. And you, I, I get up, I stretch a lot, but you know, it's like sometimes you need to talk to someone who's really an expert in these things in your life. Yeah, stress shows up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. 
I started BetterHelp when I moved out to LA, actually, um, because I was in completely new surroundings. So much of it could have been very, very stressful. And it was nice to kind of have a consistent place that I could go to to relieve some of that stress. Yeah. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. So give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Mags and Dad's Wholesome Chaos listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash wholesome. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash wholesome. I have something that I kind of want to really focus on in this next, I was going to say period of my life, but just like always actually. Um, I want to tell other people's stories less. Does that make sense? What do you mean by that, Maggie? Like when you're in a conversation or you're meeting someone and I feel like the natural instinct is if they say something and you know something that can apply to it because it's a friend's story or a friend's experience, I feel like it's the natural tendency to share that. However, I don't think that's always the most respectful thing. Even if it's not something crazy personal – I just think that maybe that's not your story to tell. Yep. And then what if one day those two people meet and they want to tell that story and then that, that person says, no, oh, uh, no, they already told me. You know, it's just, it's kind of, somebody told me one time that like gossip doesn't inherently have to be negative. It doesn't inherently have to be tearing people down. Like, you know, I went to a summer camp growing up where something they talked about was like good gossip. Like, just being like, oh, did you see how incredible so-and-so did at something and how great that is? Um, However, I do think that, like, just sharing other people's stories all the time as, like, a way to fill a conversation or a way to have something to say is still just maybe not the best thing. I totally support that, Maggie. In the Jewish Jewish faith, they have a term for that called uh, Lashon Hara, which technically transforms like translated means evil speech. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's not necessarily about the um, the negative things that you say about someone. It's sharing anything that might be intimate or personally known about them yeah. that is essentially not your story to tell. And there's a great parable about this. Um, and then the, the belief is essentially that gossip or negative talk about someone is actually a worse crime than stealing. Because if you steal from someone, you can give it back. Like you could, you could find a way to remedy that wrong and make it right again. But um, someone came to the priest and said, you know, or the rabbi and said, I am I'm guilty of this sin and I've done this. I've been speaking and saying bad, negative things about my, my friends or the people in my community. And he said, okay, this is what I want you to do. Take a feather pillow, go out to the center of the square uh, today because it's very windy. And I want you to open up the pillow, just cut it open and scatter the feathers and then come back to me. And so he did and came back and he said, okay, I've done what you've asked me. And, and he said, okay, then now the next thing I want you to do is go pick up all the feathers. And the, the moral of the story is you can't yeah. because once those words take flight, once they hit the wind and the winds of gossip and other people's stories, like you can't get it back. Yeah. So you, that's why it's really important to guard your speech. You and I have actually talked about this and like that specific thing in the Jewish faith as well. Um, 
And I think that that was probably embedded somewhere in my mind. Um, but yeah, I think that, that that's just because I know I said before, like one of my goals this year is just to like be the best friend that I can be. And I think that's, that's going to be a part of it. And that's exciting. That's been a real mark of my friendships is I've gotten, I've developed the re- reputation of um, being a confidant, being the kind of person you can go to and say something and you just know it's like locked in the vault of our friendship. I'm not going to repeat that to anyone else unless you tell me it's okay. Let me give you a few examples of that. No, no, but I pride myself on that because it's like one of those qualities, like you don't have to be, you don't have to go out and accomplish something great to achieve that level, that specific reputation skill set, you just have to be a good, true friend and apologize when you get things wrong and, and start over. That leads to a question. Well, speaking of getting things wrong, <laughs> something that's been on my mind and kind of in my heart, I, you know, last week we talked about Frankenstein and I was reading that book. And this week I've been really into reading another book. And I finished it, or actually I'm, I'm like a couple of pages away from finishing it. Um, and I was excited to talk about this book on this week's podcast, which is the Will Smith autobiography no. called Will. Yeah. So I let's, know. let's and then, skip this right now. <laughs> no, I think, um, I, think it's imp- I think we could talk about this. Like, you know, obviously a lot of time has passed from the incident at the Oscars. And it's no point in like rehashing all of that negativity. But I just feel this huge disappointment in my heart because on some level, I'm I'm a huge fan of Will Smith. I've followed his career a long time. And I love his book. His book goes deep into some profound truths and learning throughout his life journey, which has been very difficult. And and so I'm like on the guy's side in his life. And then, you know, this incident happens and it's like, it just feels like such a breach of trust to the people like like me that care about him. Um, yeah, go ahead. I know that's uncomfortable for you to even bring that up on the podcast, but I'm just trying to be honest and keep it real. No, well, it, you, yeah, you and I had a conversation about this too, and I think it was interesting how different our perspectives were in the matter of like kind of being like this is going to follow him for the rest of his life versus my perspective where I was like, truly, I see this not being a huge talk for a long time. Like, and I think a lot of it, I told you, is like my generation's response where it was like minutes after and it's a meme, yeah. you know, um, where it's it's just kind of we were scavengers for entertainment in a sense, um, which I think is a natural human instinct um, to just find the entertainment in situations. Um However, I truly do see this being a thing where in in maybe five years, you just see a meme resurface that's like, hey, remember when like this happened? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Totally. Um, but yeah. And it's a TikTok sound and the, like the audio from the awards over and over again has been reused in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. There's, there's trends. Mm-hmm. But what I'm talking about is like when you read someone's book, you really get a sense like you know that person. Yeah. You can't fake it for three or 400 pages. And especially when you reveal so much of your journey. Like for example, in Will Smith's book, he talks about 
his mother being hit by his father. And one of his lifelong beliefs was that he was a coward and a regret that he never stood up for his mom. And so on some level, you're like, okay, that was possibly playing in his psyche on some level. And there's just, um, you know, some lower points of his life and just, there, there, there were a lot of like violent kind of scenes in and around, and he was not immune from that. Um, it, it's, it's tough. It's just really tough. But, um, you know, I, I feel like it may not matter to the world, but I'm, I think that on some level, Will Smith will always regret that. And for him, that Oscar award will always remind him of that. And it, in a way, it takes out the joy, some of the joy and notoriety of the accomplishment. It's also terrible for all the people in the cast of the movie, King Richard, you know, who were there to celebrate this night. And now that was such a good movie. It was a great movie um, and an amazing performance. He deserved it. He, I did, I did see videos of him at the after party dancing it up. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He seemed <laughs> like he was having a good time. Um, yeah. But yeah, crazy. We're all human. Time will tell. We all make mistakes. Exactly. And by the time this podcast comes out, there might be new chapters to the story. And nobody knows, you know, the complete and total truth. That's for sure. But it's certainly not any kind of an action that you could ever justify or advocate. So, um, yeah, that's why I was – mom, too. Mom was also kind of saddened by that as well. So, um, hey, speaking of mom, guess what she told me the other day? What? She is going to leave me. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what you said. I'm leaving you, honey. Um, but no, not in that way. What she told me is actually she's leaving me to go on a language immersion experience. And we've been talking about this kind of thing for a long time. Yeah. And learning languages. And she wants to go to a Spanish-speaking country. She's narrowing that down right now for at least a few weeks and kind of immerse herself in that learning environment, which we've all talked about wanting to do. And she's like, I'm done waiting for you. I'm just going to go do it. Um, and you know. But you are going, right? Well, I don't think it would be beneficial if I went. I think she'd learn faster if I wasn't there. <laughs> you know. You don't want to learn? Well, I do. But here's the thing. For me, I think it's going to take more than two weeks. I think it would take months. And there's always that tricky part about my. You never know, though. Yeah, you never know. It could be helpful and beneficial. Um, but really, for most of us our experience with learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point of our academic careers. Um, I took French. I thought I'd be different than others, others who were learning Spanish. In retrospect, maybe not the best choice, but I learned French in, in uh, high school and then in college. And I took it in college at 7.50 in the morning on the other side of my campus from where I lived. So every day I'd walk up the hill, get there at the you know, early hours, I was tired. I didn't really retain much. But now, thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad like mom, connecting in a deeper way with family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. I'm interested in a lot of different languages. I think it would be so amazing to be bilingual, trilingual, you know, and the main ones that I'm interested, I'd say, were Spanish and French. And I know a little bit of each of them, just like 
from, you know, learning, picking things up. I took Spanish in high school, but again, didn't really retain much of it. Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel's lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash mags. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash mags, M-A-G-S, for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel. Language for life. Hey, Mags, you're a promo code. I was about to say, I've never been a promo code before. Oh, my goodness. I'm so Use proud it, of you. <laughs> I'm so, you, you've made it. That's amazing. Officially, officially no, made I, it. I'm definitely going to try that out. And especially with the 60% discount, that's incredible. Yeah. So, so honey, sign yourself up for Babbel. Use that promo code and get ready to leave me. <laughs> <laughs> That we found this week's title. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Man. Hey, I, I've got a, a report from a listener that is really kind of cool. Check this out. This comes from Teresa. And Eddie, this one's for you. Listen, I listened to podcast 38 where you talked about old friendships that seemingly just died over time. I'm 31 years old. Um, and I reached, uh, I basically, I had a best friend from kindergarten through eighth grade that had a falling out on my, my freshman year of high school. Today, at 31 years old, I found her on Facebook and apologized for how our friendship ended up because of petty things. Aww. I have felt that weight for so many years, and I feel so much at peace just from sending the message. I hope she responds, but if she doesn't, I'm okay that I chose to close that chapter finally. Thank you for the encouragement, Eddie, and for being honest about your friendship story. Teresa. That's amazing. I love that. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's great. So Eddie's doing great. He's out in California already and just getting on with his life and into incredible, exciting things. Um, and he's going to continue to be helping us with the podcast and helping me with my TikToks. Yeah. Um, I haven't made a TikTok in a while. I've been kind of in a slump. You ever get that way? <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard. People actually know because I feel like a lot of people do make TikToks, so they know that they are kind of difficult and time-consuming. But especially, like, even I was thinking this morning. I was like, okay, well, I start this morning. I'm filming the podcast, and I have a lunch with my team. Then I have to go to this event, and then I have a friend's birthday. I was like, okay, um, when do I make content? Because I haven't made a TikTok in like two days, and that stresses me out. Yes. Um, and it's 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 insane. It's insane. And a part of me doesn't want to like push f content that I'm not enjoying, and that is is just going to be something so forced. But then a part of me also feels the pressure to like be consistent. And I know you get all that as well. Um, and it's it's just difficult. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, I would I did one, and Eddie actually helped me out. He went through my comments and suggested some ideas and looked at some things people asked for. 
and said, yeah, you could just do this really quick. Because you get in that loop when you're like, I don't know what I want to do, and I don't know what people will react to or like, uh, which is the wrong mindset. You can't be thinking about what they want. You need to come from a place of like, this is who I am, and this is what I'm about, and this is what I'm all about. And so um, that's where content, I think, comes from the easiest and usually where it does the best. Yeah. It's also been difficult for me to get content done considering I spend every night on the pickleball court until they cut the lights off. Get this, Dad. The lights go off every night at 10.26 p.m. How about that? Exactly. Isn't that strange? But no, I spend hours on the pickleball court a week. I spend probably five to ten hours on the court. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. Maybe you should be making some pickleball content. Oh, maybe. But it's it's a little bit different because this is like a court where there's a lot of people. It's not like a reservation type thing. And so people get very serious about pickleball very quickly. Um, And so there's a whole system where you put your paddles in this rack and then as a court frees up, the next section goes. We, I was playing with some friends the other day, and this man came up to us because I guess we were taking a little while, but we're all pretty matched. Like the people I play with were pretty matched in our skill set, so the games do take a while because you get tied. Sometimes you, you have to win by two, so sometimes the game goes over. Um, and we were playing. I don't think we were even playing for that long. And this guy just walks by, and he goes, you guys have to start keeping score. <laughs> we were like, we are like, we always do every single time we play because we know how to play. Um, but we have started playing with strangers a little bit. We've started making friends at the pickleball court, learning people's names. Um, but I wanted to tell you, do you remember specifically about two days ago when I called you and mom and I called you guys in the car and said, you know, I'm on my way to the pickleball courts, even though it's a little rainy outside, um, rain or shine, you know, and what you guys told me slippery specifically, we were like, what we, slippery, like be careful. Cause the course yeah, can yeah, get yeah. slippery. mom said that. Yeah. You guys said, be careful. You might slip, you might fall. And I said, you know, I don't think so. I don't Uh-oh. think I'm going to fall. I can hear what's coming. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first point oh, and, no. and they were serving to me. And so I was retrieving it. Um, and I start running for it and I slip mid run, literally do like a turn and slide and skin my knee through my sweatpants. I literally, I turn back around, I look up and all three of them are around me. I was like, you got, you guys got here quick. I appreciate that for real. (laughs) (laughs) But my leg is literally bleeding a little. And I think it was Mitch who said he was like, dude, the ball was out too. Oh, man. <laughs> like all that for a ball that w- literally was out. So did anybody <laughs> slip after that? No. Oh, actually, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it went up here. I did again, but I didn't fall. I think I caught it. Um, Therein lies it the, the theory. Like, do you, did you slip because the courts were slippery? Or did we imply, you know, like plant that seed mm, in your mind yeah. that the courts are slippery, you're going to slip and fall, thus like increasing the probability that you would actually slip and fall and you were following through on our intention subconsciously. Man, you know, it could have been a combination of things. I thought it was so funny, though. 
And nobody else was on the courts, weirdly enough. So that was nice. Mom's shaking her head at me because that's a recurring pattern of a conversation that happens a lot in our relationship where she's, she's warning me to be careful at moments where I need to summon my confidence. And it's like at the moments I'm trying to like execute something really confidently, um, I don't need to be thinking about the seeds of doubt. But it's, it's also very wise to consider the caution, cautionary elements. And that's her motivation is to make sure I'm safe. So Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it's, it's just a healthy little tension between us. Right, honey? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> she said, yeah, sure. <laughs> healthy tension. Healthy tension, kids. That's what that is. So when do you go oh, into Puerto goodness. Rico for the Spanish thing? No. Oh, my <laughs> My we're good, mom we're and good. dad we're just will be joking, practicing man. better help couples therapy after this. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be doing it in a different language that they learned from Babel. <laughs> no, we love each other so much. In fact, you know, we're, we're going to the mountains <laughs> to be together for three days. And mom actually referred to it as our as our next honeymoon. Yeah. yeah. Aww. When, and she's, she's not on mic right now. But, but basically, when we got married we decided that we were going to take honeymoons regularly. Like, why should, you, why should you have only one honeymoon to celebrate your marriage? That seemed ridiculous. So we had, like a, we had a, an initial honeymoon where we flew to Washington, the state of Washington, rented an RV, and drove around the state for a couple of weeks and just exploring and, in, in, in like, cramming our lives together in this RV, <laughs> this motorhome, nice. um, which is a great metaphor for marriage, actually. Like, you guys are going to live together for the rest of your life, so work it out in this little metal box. That was, that was <laughs> helpful. <laughs> no, but it was amazing. And then six months later, we went to, on our next honeymoon. Do you remember where that was, honey? It, it might have been Disney, I think, at six months, and then at one year, Jamaica. it was Jamaica. Oh, Was that yeah. one year? Maybe. I'm not sure. But I know it was like every six months for like the first two years, we seemed to be out of town doing some kind of trip. So it was awesome. It was awesome. Our whole life has been one big honeymoon. In Jamaica, I had on sunglasses and I was shirtless walking around or something. And there was a rumor going around that Tom Cruise was at the resort. (laughs) (gasps) No, I love that. The uh, uh, entertainment director like immediately saw him and... Um, told him like come here come here and so we went over there and she like looks at him and she's like thinking this is Tom Cruise but she looks at me I'm like I'm definitely not Nicole Kidman she's like that was who he was married to at the time at the time she's like oh you look like Tom Cruise (laughs) you know how I have my dream bit that I want to do with you me and Steve Carell uh yes yes I feel like we could also do it with Tom Cruise. Whichever opportunity presents itself first, I'm not going to say the bit because I want everyone to be surprised. Yeah, it's um, going to be good. But It's going to break the internet, could, could, I think. I think it's so good. It's so simple, so perfect. Oh, man. I, I <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd take Steve or Tom, either well, one. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, we have six degrees of separation to Steve Carell. Oh, yeah. More like two. Ye- or three. Yeah, but probably probably six. Don't you have six to everyone? So hypothetically, we'd have six to Tom as well. Oh, yes. Definitely. Definitely. So, but that should not be our major life goal, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it'll, it'll happen in, in due time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um By the way, we should probably welcome people in to the podcast and introduce ourselves. <laughs> 
40 minutes in. Hey Hi, everybody. I'm Dan Thurman. That's my daughter, Maggie Thurman. Hey. It's our podcast, Wholesome Chaos. Where we talk um, about real life in real time to help each other and also help you. In a very, in a very real way. In a very real, down-to-earth <laughs> way. And we let it all hang out. But we don't talk about our friends and what they said. We might have done that on we previous podcasts. We let it podcasts. all hang out? Wait, you know, we let it. Don't say we let it all hang out. Okay. <laughs> I did not like that. <laughs> we don't let it all hang out. We let the some of it hang out. Podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> different phrasing. <laughs> we, yeah, we. You might have heard us tell stories about our friends in the past. Um, however, <laughs> due to recent lawsuits, no, that's not true. That's not true. Guys. <laughs> No, but we, I don't think we've, we've told stories out of school, though, on the podcast about other people. And if we did, no, we're, we, mom deleted it afterward. <laughs> <laughs> we, we try and be very conscious of that. Um, yeah, I will say, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't, no, I could say this, maybe. Mom, maybe cut this later. I talk to Mitch all the time about how, you know, Mitch is one of my really good friends out here, and we're also both from Atlanta, and so when I was home for the holidays, he flew in a few days later, asked if I could pick him up from the airport, dad met him, we had coffee, it was fun, and then we talked about it on the podcast, and I told Mitch that we talked about it on the podcast, and he was like, oh my gosh, great, like, I'll listen, and he was like, and then your dad crapped all over me. I did. He was like, because you were like, yeah, I think it was a little unnecessary that you had to go pick him up. Um, wasn't really worth it or something. Oh, I don't think I said that. I hope that wasn't implied. I really enjoyed it. I told it. him. I enjoyed meeting no, Mitch. No, and I you really like dude. Mitch, too. I do. And, and I tell him that all the time, but... Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Where he was like, "Why would I? Why would you tell me to listen to that?" <laughs> now, now I've got to go back and remember what I said. But and we were just talking about the the ridiculous uh, nature of, of all the aspects of it combined. Where it was like waking up at four a.m. after you had just when gotten I was in so late the night before. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, it was a very interesting. Well, I was glad we did um, it. I was really glad we got oh, to yeah, go do for that sure. together. And yeah, the ri- the ridiculous yeah. point was was your decision to say, yeah, I'm going to get in at, you know, at late and then get up before, you know, a few hours later and go back to the airport. It wasn't about Mitch. It was about, like, your commitment to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was totally about crazy. the circumstances. <laughs> and this was so before I, think question- I knew what great friends you were and that he would come to your rescue yeah. when you slipped and fell on a pickleball court. Like, in- exactly. instantly. He was there for you. So, man, I actually he was the one serving, so maybe he caused it. Oh, man. Well, it was out. It was out. (laughs) It was out. He's working on a serve. It's okay. Um, But here's the question is now do I tell him? Please tell Mitch I said hello. I will. I will. But do we tell him we talked about him on this podcast? That's the thing. My friends don't really listen to the podcast. So part of me is like, sure, I'll talk about him. It's a lot to keep up with. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. But no, we're not telling other people's stories anymore. (laughs) starting now (laughs) that's a hard thing to do when you have a podcast exactly it's very difficult (laughs) oh Oh, my my goodness i'm working on it guys i'm I'm still flawed (laughs) so i have another question for you maggie this one came in from emily and she said hey mags dad and fam so that includes you too shay want to hear from you i'd love for each of you to give us your own answers here 
what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice you've ever been given about anything. And if you have multiple answers, you can share those as well. Uh, that's from Emily. I think that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I would say never cook bacon naked um, <laughs> is is high up there. I think you told me that, Dad. Um, shirtless. I might have said shirtless. I might have said naked. I think you said. I think you said naked, um, but like kind of meeting shirtless, you know, or just even in short sleeves, it can get dangerous. Yes. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's not my real answer. Um, it's not. Is that the best I, advice I I've like, ever given you, though? Come on. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, one of the best pieces of advice. I feel like I've received a lot of good advice in my lifetime. But one of the ones that I find constantly relevant is the um, I have nothing to prove, only to share. Um, whenever you go into a situation, it, literally just your presence is a gift to it. Your contribution is a gift. So just going into things with the mindset of I don't have to prove anything. I literally just have all that I can offer to share. Um, and like my personal gifts and everything like that was a really good bit. Um Comparison is the thief of joy. Great one as well. Um, yeah, I had one more, but I can't think of it right now. I'll think of it while someone else goes. Do you, you want to go, honey? Mom's turning herself up. Here she comes. Okay. And Ladies and gentlemen, Shay Thurman <laughs> on the mic. And, and so I don't know that this was um, advice per se, but uh, a book that I have read from time to time. It's not a book that you read from cover to cover, but just the title in itself, don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small stuff. Yeah. Because I would stress out about not getting everything done. Not, you know, you're never going to get everything done. And like, I know that, like, I'm not a stupid person, but sorry, not allowed <laughs> to say stupid. But um, when I read that, I was like, thank you for permission to not worry about all the details that don't matter. So that that was a, a good piece of advice there. And also, I think it was 1994, your dad and I went to a, a motivational conference and saw Zig Ziglar for the first time. And he said, we are 10 times more productive the day before vacation mm -hmm. than any other day. <laughs> and I how do you become more productive on those other days? That's good. And so from that day on, Boy, I kicked it into high gear, and I have been so much more productive, but just more satisfied with accomplishing, having a great day's work, instead of just, you know, punching a clock or just doing what has to be done or whatever. It's like, I I love to work hard and then relax at the end of the day going, yeah, this was a great day. That's good, yeah. honey. Yep. Every day is like the day before vacation. Um, and his point was like, because you're... You're very focused. You're very organized. You have a time limit. You know exactly what you need to do, and you knock it out. And so um, that's great. I have, th like, a few different thoughts. One is about marriage. When we were getting married, we were at the engagement shower at my mom's house. They threw, my parents threw an engagement shower for us. And someone came up to me and said, you know, I have a bit of advice for your marriage. Your wife is going to ask you from time to time, Dan, what do you think about, and she's going to say, like, a situation where she'll ask your response. What do you think about blank? And in those instances, this is what you say. I don't know. What do you think? Because of, 
this is so killer. And it took her years to catch on that I was doing it. But no, seriously, it's like, because when you say, I don't know what you think, she gets to tell you what she thinks, which is really the whole point of the question anyway. Like she's, she's coming to you, not because she's confused and wants you to solve a problem, but because she wants to have this conversation and has an idea about what she thinks should happen or what she thinks about it. Interesting. And so plus when you say, I don't know, what do you think? Like it gives you more time to think about what you really do think. Yeah. And you don't have to sure. answer right away. So you get to go second. That's that's probably the single best piece of advice I've ever gotten. <laughs> um, with regard to parenting, um, this came from Tony Campola. And I think I may, maybe mentioned this on the podcast a long time ago. He said, don't worry about your kids rebelling. It's their job to rebel. Your job is to carefully and meticulously prescribe that which they rebel against because that's what they will return to when their own way isn't working. That's pretty darn powerful to basically, you're not trying to win over your kids. You're trying to prescribe to them and live a measure of truth. And then if you're a traveler like me and you're married and you travel, um, I heard this once and I was just really profound advice three rules for travelers who are married. Number one, never do anything out of town you wouldn't do at home, which is a great rule, which covers a lot of things in terms of who you'd hang out with or what you'd eat or what you'd, how you'd entertain yourself or whatever. And so that's a good one. Second rule is uh, always bring a good book because you're going to have downtime and you can always further your education. And the third rule is never start whistling while you're packing, which takes, which takes a minute to think about. Right. I, I told this in a room full of speakers and it was hilarious because it was like this delay. And then the whole room erupts in laughter because whistling while you're packing is like the celebration of like, I get to go out of town right now oh. and you don't and you're not going with me. It's like it's like the conundrum of you find yourself in these amazing, beautiful hotel rooms, you know, in situations on the beaches or whatever. And you're like, should I even tell my wife like how great this place is or send her a picture? Um, <clears throat> no. Don't whistle while you pack. We have a different issue in our house, though, because often I catch mom whistling while I'm packing, <laughs> which is a whole different deal. Man. Yeah, that's just because I'm far more productive when he's out of town because he's a huge distraction. So a good distraction. But I need a little time now and then to paint a room, build something, you know, get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Can I talk about something? Can I say something? Please, yep. please, can I say something? Please do. I have something I want to say. I want to hear it. <laughs> Would you say it already, please? Yeah, oh my gosh. Okay, okay, yeah, let me just say it. Um, Mom, can I? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being annoying. <laughs> okay. Um, I've been watching New Girl recently because it's one of my favorite comedic shows. Um, and I've also been listening to some of the Rewatch podcast with some of the cast members. And they did an interview with Jake Johnson, who plays Nick on it, who I think is one of the funniest actors alive. Um, and they were talking about how much work went into New Girl. Um, the episodes are roughly 22 minutes. I want you guys both to guess how many hours of filming a week they did. Because you, like... For network television, you mostly, like, shoot one episode a week for it to come out. Um, I want you to guess how many hours for one episode, a 22-minute episode. How many hours of filming or how many hours of, like, work? Filming work, like, on set. Well, on set, I think, like, a network sitcom, it's a week-long production. 
there's like the mm-hmm. the table read on Monday, and then you go into some conversation about the episode. The actors kind of bring it to life and and work out some blocking, and they bring that back to the writers. And the writers kind of like turn it over for the Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you like do a dress, and then the filming is on Friday. Generally, if you're in front of a live audience, but I don't know that that was in front of an audience. Uh, it's not. It's not a live audience type beat. It's 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 not live audience. It's filming all week. Um, so amount so of time filming. I'd I'd say twenty hours. I'd say of filming thirty five. Okay, um, that twenty two minute episode, eighty hours of filming a week. Wow. Yeah, like an eighty hour work week. I believe that. If if you can if you they include s- all the work that's going into it, but that's not actively no. filming. No, I think it's like they literally talked about because. There's so much improv in like bits that the actors themselves bring. Oh, okay. So like the coverage, the alternates, the bits that didn't even make it in. Like obviously the episodes would be longer and then they'd cut it down to 22 minutes. Um, yeah. But literally I think it was Jake Johnson who said like a few minute dinner table scene. They would film it for 12 hours. That makes sense. Actually, it- because... Yeah, even for the my little two-minute weekly videos. Remember I did that? I was like, <laughs> how long do those take every week for my, me to do my two-minute coaching videos? And between like writing it, shooting it, editing it, m- your work or mom's work on the project, uploading it, we th- each one of those is like eight hours of work to be consumed in two minutes. That's it. That's why, you know, producing content is so much, uh, it's so difficult. Yeah. But that's also like with the editing and everything. Yeah, too. exactly. Exactly. True. Yeah. Good point. Speaking of TV, we hit a monumental marker yesterday. Mom and I finished Alias. All five seasons. About time. Oh my gosh. About time. I think I was actually done about two seasons ago. But but we had to we had to see it through. You know, we don't we don't quit what we start in this family. We see it through to the end. Uh, even though it probably, you know, jumped the shark quite a while ago, which is a term, uh, if you don't know, uh, my dear listener, that um, refers to like the show going a little bit too far. It comes from the Happy Days episode, Once Upon a Time, where Fonzie, who was a motorcycle biker who jumped like cars on motorcycles, uh, jumped sharks on water skis while wearing a leather jacket. And everybody agreed that was like the end of the show. <laughs> that it, it took a while for it to actually be the end, but that's typically how it goes. Now, we, we loved it um, for the most part. It was really fun. There's this thing we do every episode. It starts with the first few minutes of the show. Like they establish the plot and pull you into the story. And then it kicks into the theme song. And the theme song for Alias is probably like, 30, 45 seconds of like this really driving heavy rhythm. And it's really just this catchy rhythm. It's, but it's all instrumental. And as soon as it's clicks, mom and I break into dancing no matter where we are. And we have different moves that we do. And every time we dance it a little bit differently. And Simon never got used to that. Like he would always (laughs) look at us like we were just so annoying. Oh, that's so fun though. (laughs) I'm going to miss that dance with you, honey. We we have to come up with a new show and a new dance because that was, that was the best part. <laughs> Man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, well, speaking of the best part, Maggie, um, this has been an amazing podcast. I'm really glad I got to share a lot of laughs with you. Me too. You lift me up, girl. You lift me up and you make me happier just um, being able to connect with you or throughout the week when you reach out and check in with us and let us know what you're doing and ask how we're doing. It's just so wonderful. And I'm so grateful to have you um, connected at this phase of your life with us in this wonderful way. That's so sweet. Thank you. I love you guys so much. We love you too. And everyone, thanks for listening. Please go out to wholesomechaos.com and you can leave your question. Honestly, we really want to know what's going on with you. We read all of our questions. We answer many of them on the air or directly to you by replying to your emails, uh, wholesomechaos.com. There's also some other resources there for family communication and all sorts of other things too. Be sure to check out our sponsors um, and support them as a way of showing them you care about their contribution to this podcast and for helping uh, bring this to you today. So thank you again. And Maggie, we sure love you. Have a great week. I love you guys. You too. All right. (laughs) We love you too, everyone. Take care and talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye. Mags and Dads, wholesome chaos. Mags and Dads, wholesome chaos. How long do you think it takes us to film a podcast, Maggie? If it takes New Girl 80 hours to do a 22-minute episode, how long does it take us to do a podcast? Are we counting editing time? No. Well, no. I'd say, well, considering we hopped on this call at 10 a.m. my time and it's noon, I'd say roughly around two hours. Yes. Which is interesting because we don't really stop and start. Well, it took us a long time to start today. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 